Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Well, a guy who played some baseball up the road at X Stadium for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame just came up with a big base hit in the National League Championship Series. Matt Fearling came up in the top of the second. Phillies up 1-0, second and third one out. Hit a deep drive to right field. And the right fielder, Juan Soto, lost the ball in the sun. It dropped for an RBI double, and the Phils are off and rolling. Out in San Diego, up 2-0 in the top of the second and still have second and third and one out as Philadelphia looks to take a two-games-to-none series lead in the National League Championship Series. With that series heading back to the city of brotherly love for Game 3. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960. WSBT, a live stream available at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. We also have a live video stream of the program rolling right now on the Twitch app, which is a free download. And if you have the Twitch app, you want to check out our video stream, you can do so by searching Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, for the next two hours, let's talk some local sports here on WSBT Radio. Coming up in our first segment, you'll hear from Notre Dame offensive coordinator Tommy Reese after his offense put up just 14 points against Stanford, but not without numerous opportunities to add on more points. We've got our Twitter question of the day coming up at the bottom of the hour, and we will test your interest in this Saturday's game since it is not on regular TV. We'll take a look at the AP 
top 10 schedule, and the AP looks a whole lot different after the Tennessee Volunteers were able to take down Alabama in Knoxville on Saturday. Our My 5 question of the day, the five things that we've learned this week from Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman about the Notre Dame offense, which is right now tied for 99th in the country in scoring at 23.7. We'll go back to Saturday's game against Stanford and review how I thought the game was going to play out, and we'll see what was right and what was wrong. Coming up at 6.30 tonight, I'll be joined by Notre Dame hockey defenseman Drew Bavaro. He is a transfer from Bentley, and he is off to a fast start with the Fighting Irish so far in four games this year. A goal, four assists, and five points. And yesterday was named the Big Ten Conference's number two star from the week in action. He assisted on the game-winning goal Friday against Northern Michigan and scored the go-ahead goal late in the third period Sunday as the Irish completed a sweep of the Wildcats from Northern Michigan. And now a top 20 showdown coming up this weekend for the Irish hockey team. It's a home-and-home with Western Michigan. The Irish and the Broncos will play in South Bend at the Compton Friday night at 7. The teams will play in Kalamazoo Saturday at 6 o'clock. Both games can be heard on our sister station, Quality Rock 94.3 FM. I'm looking forward to calling both of those games the one on Friday from the Compton and from the Old Man Cave on Saturday. 12 minutes after 5 o'clock, and the Phillies now lead the Padres 3-0 in the top of the second inning, and still only one out. The Phillies are kind of dunking some balls in, but as we know, those count beautifully and look great in the box court. How about Kyle Schwarber last night, the former Cub, that 488-foot home run? Holy cow, I'm not sure he can hit a baseball any better than that. Away we go with our first pitch as we get Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat going for this Wednesday, October the 19th of 2022. The first pitch and the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. And today it's another installment of Tommy's Reese's Pieces of Audio as the Fighting Irish offensive coordinator met the media last night to talk about his offense, which against a statistically poor Stanford team last Saturday put up just 301 yards of total offense and 14 points. No question. Also a part of the story, the two missed touchdown passes that were basically gimmies that Pine missed, including the one to Tobias Merriweather that looked like just a walk-in touchdown. Unfortunately, it did not work out. Braden Lindsey also had a good look in the end zone. Pass was overthrown. You also had the Audric Estime fumble, which was a crucial play in the fourth quarter. We're not used to seeing Notre Dame running backs fumble. You go back to when Autry Denson was the running back coach. They didn't put the football on the ground. 
and they have it the last couple of years, but Audric Estime fumble at the goal line against North Carolina. Now a fumble in a crucial moment of the game against Stanford, giving the Cardinal excellent field position for an offense that I don't think any of us believe could go 12, 13 plays for 80 yards. They needed help, and they got it from the Fighting Irish offense. So, first off, you're going to hear from offensive coordinator Tommy Reese as he talks about those missed touchdown passes I was referring to to Lindsey and Merriweather. Those were shots missed. What's the next step to make sure that when that happens again that the ball is not overthrown, but next time it's right on the money for six points. For any player, um, you know, we try to take emotion out of the play. We look at it in terms of, like, to physically execute a play. One, mentally, you have to understand what we're doing and get your eyes into the right spot. And then there's going to be some sort of technique or fundamental base that's been instilled in you or been worked at or something that you've been working on to make those things happen. So when those errors occur and, um, you know, we try to avoid them as often as possible, we go back to saying, okay, well, is there something technically or fundamentally that is not allowing us to execute it? Or is it a mental lapse where our eyes are in the red right side? So, again, we look at it very systematically that way. Um, again, I got to keep making sure that Drew is prepared in both of those. It starts with me. Um, and I want to make sure that every opportunity he has to make a play, that I do everything in my power to allow him to go make it. Well, I think Tommy did everything he needed to do to set up those two touchdown throws. Had the right play call against the right defense. The pocket was clean. And the ball just to Lindsey and Merriweather was not thrown accurately. Plain and simple. Those are shots that have to be touchdowns. And if those are touchdowns, we're probably having a totally different conversation the last couple of days and you had a much more enjoyable weekend because we're talking about a victory now i'm not pinning this on two plays we're just showing you examples in various parts of this football team where simple things just did not get executed and i don't want to sound like that throwing a football with a bunch of people trying to take your head off down the field is easy but when the pocket holds up these are Division I scholarship players handpicked to play at Notre Dame. Those have to be touchdowns. Plain and simple. No way around it. This isn't junior rocket football. Division I football, you got a wide open receiver with a great pocket. It's not like weather was a factor. It's got to be a touchdown. Just like we're talking about, Audric Estime, that ball can't be put on the ground. Or the first play of the final drive of the ball game for Notre Dame when the two players on the near side next to the Notre Dame sideline hear something, they both look to the sideline to see if they're going to change the play. While they're looking at the sideline, the ball is snapped, and a few seconds later they realize, oh, we're playing, and they take off. Meanwhile, Drew Pine's heading out of Dodge to his right to get rid of the football because he's under pressure. So, yeah, this isn't just on one area. This is just showing off examples of areas of the team that – are not getting the job done in certain moments that are putting this football team in a very difficult spot. And the margin for error is small, so some of these errors just have to start being erased. 
And I have no doubt this week that Pine will hit those throws. In those moments against Stanford, didn't happen. New opportunity this week against UNLV. So what are the offensive goals right now for this Notre Dame football team? They're tied for 99th in the country in scoring average at just over 23 points per game. We've heard Marcus Freeman discuss this is an offensive line, defensive line program that he wants to be able to run the football. We're six games in, and we're never quite sure which offense we're going to see. In fact, it was asked of him earlier this week. This offense is kind of Jekyll and Hyde. You never know what you're going to get. Really inconsistent. And those things lead to 3-3 three and three records rather than what you should be, 5-1. and one. So here was Coach Freeman this week talking about offensive goals. I mean, you're, it's the same thing in the past couple of weeks when you want to run the ball and, and you want to take advantage of some play action passes and the, the, the zones that they're giving you. And we weren't, we weren't running the ball effectively. Um, we also weren't passing the ball. You know, we weren't throwing the ball um, as effective as we wanted to. So you want to, you have a game plan. Game plan is to run the ball and, and try to capitalize off of the, the aggressiveness of their defense and try to take some shots. And um, we just weren't executing, obviously, at the level we wanted to. And did you sense any kind of uh, flickering of confidence for the offense at halftime? Like what, what was, what went on at halftime that sort of got things in some sort of a gear in the third and fourth quarters? Oh, I don't know if it's something you say or something. It's just the reality of you look at yourself and say, okay, guys, this is about us, and we did not execute that first half. Let's get the running game going. Let's let's continue to ride the running game. Um, and I think you, you had some success running the ball. It wasn't a lack of, of trying to run the ball the first half. It was just, you know, you would get one or two yards on one game and we'd go to throw it, and all of a sudden you're not executing there in our third down. I mean, we were 3-12 of on third down. If you're three or twelve, that's something where we've been very successful the last couple of weeks, especially last week. We were three or twelve on third down, and that's not you're not going to win if you're doing that. Some of the stats show the offensive line actually blocked pretty well for the run game last week against Stanford. The problem is, if you go back and watch the tape, Stanford oftentimes would have that extra man down in the box. They did not want Notre Dame to run the football. They offered you opportunities on the outside to throw the football. 13 of 27 throws later, Stanford made an awfully good choice. They didn't bracket Mayer all the time, but they used a combination of corners and safeties to do an awfully good job on him. They held him in check. They didn't let him dominate the football game. This way of thinking by Stanford, it has been surprising to me that has not been more of what the Irish have gone up against this year. Why would you let Notre Dame run the football? Even if you are setting up one-on-one opportunities to the outside. What scares you more? As an Irish fan, you know this team. What scares you more? I think you'd be awfully concerned as the opposition about that running game getting rolling. In particular, with Stanford giving up 210 yards per game on the ground going into that ball game on Saturday. And if you watch the tape, this is what's frustrating from my standpoint. 
You see the extra hat come down to the box. You see the receiver to the wide side of the field in single coverage with the corner probably five, six yards off Notre Dame's wide receiver. There is so much real estate if a slant is ran. It is a pitch and catch. I mean, there is so much room on an inside move for that Irish wide receiver on these plays I'm talking about. It's a gimme. But Notre Dame doesn't run slants. I've linked some of the videos that people have done on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. I encourage you to go watch them, see what I'm talking about, and see how the receivers in man coverage with the defender playing off. It's a simple throw. But that's not the way the Irish attack those situations. They attacked it very well with Tobias Merriweather on those two textbook routes that he ran. The touchdown catch, he did a super job of turning the hips of the defensive back, and he was dead to rights. He had no shot. Merriweather blew right by him, pine through an excellent ball, touchdown. They're daring you to throw it down the field. And we've sat here for how many weeks, and you fans sit at home talking to your friends, family about this team. Do they have anybody that can get down the field to make those plays? Well, we found one. And Tobias Merriweather, he should have two career catches right now, both for touchdowns. At least he's got one. But that's promising. That's a promising step for this passing game because you got to be able to burn these teams that are going to say, I dare you to throw it. Here's one-on-one on the outside. you got to torch them absolutely have to torch them if you are at any point in the near future going to be a playoff team you have to own those teams you got to force them into making a decision are we going to stick with this extra hat in the box knowing that they can burn us with the passing game that they've got a guy that can get down the field or should we get away from taking that extra hat out of the box play a little more cover two which you can run the heck out of the football against that. Make the defense make a choice. And maybe Merriweather going deep on those two plays, having success breaking down the defense, starts to lead to some of that happening. Well, Marcus Freeman on Monday discussed he has full confidence in offensive coordinator Tommy Reese and the plan. And the way he's calling the game, Tommy Reese was asked about that support last night. Yeah, again, you know, Coach Free's been great all year. And uh, the one thing that I think everybody in this program feels is a sense of togetherness. And that starts at the very top. And that's credit to him and the way he's built the culture and built um, the expectations. And look, we all care deeply about doing what's best for the program, for for our staff, for our players, for everybody in touch. And so, look, it's all of us got to do our part. I certainly got to do mine and, and continue to make sure that we you know, get our guys playing in the, the way they're capable of playing. It starts with us as coaches. Now let's get back to the person I was just talking about a moment ago, Tobias Merriweather, the freshman wide receiver, had 10 snaps against Stanford. The two routes that we've been talking about, the most notable of those 10 snaps in the football game against the Cardinal. This was... The lone guy 
left in the class last year at wide receiver. Notre Dame had two of those wide receivers slip through their fingertips right before National Signing Day. Merriweather became the lone man standing in the class at wide receiver. Now, some high upside receivers also on the way next year, and they are doing some really good things in the 24 class. If you were with us yesterday, Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated discussed a couple of those 24 wide receivers that the Irish are trying to lock into. So help appears to be on the way, at least on paper, from the recruiting standpoints. But can they get on the field quickly? It took Lorenzo Styles until after a bye last year to become more relevant in this offense. Tobias Merriweather, maybe after the bye, he's starting to become more of a fixture in this offense. It's baby steps, 10 snaps last week, including that touchdown catch. Here's Tommy Reese on Tobias Merriweather. Did a really nice job for us. Obviously, one big play. We had another opportunity there. Look, we're going to continue to find ways to get guys in good spots, whether it's Tobias or Zoe or Brayden or JT. Like, we got to find and maximize what our guys can do well and try to continue to help, help put them there. Hey, none of us are in practice. We don't know how well Tobias is performing in practice. All we can do is assume that Merriweather, despite the fact some players ahead of him on the depth chart have been inconsistent, and not providing the level of play necessary to be a well-above-average winning football team, he still has not broken through. Let's just assume he's missing something in practice. He's not lining up properly. He's not catching the football. We can only guess at this point. They're not going to hold him back just to hold him back. If he can help them, they're going to put him on the field, and maybe that is starting to happen. He got more time against Stanford. Now let's see what happens against UNLV this week. But Merriweather had the chance to enjoy that first catch in a Notre Dame uniform last Saturday, and it turned out to be a 41-yard touchdown strike. What was it like to finally get out there and make a big impact as soon as you did? Uh, I think it was just like a surreal moment in my life. Uh, and it's something I'll never forget. And just glad to be out there helping the team, glad to get some trust from coaches, uh, stuff like that. It's just a great feeling. Take us through the touchdown. Uh, to be honest, I kind of blanked. Like once I got the call from the sideline, I was like looking. I'm looking at defense. I'm like they're in zero right now. Like I'm about to score. And then I think my train just took over, ran the route, house taught, did every all the little things right, made a big play. What's this process been like for you, waiting for your opportunity to maybe gain the trust of the coaching staff to be able to get your opportunity on the field? I think it's just part of the journey. Like. Having fun with it, just being hungry, learning from the coaches, learning from the old guys like Braden, Zoe, JT, all just learning from learning everything I can, try to get on the field, you know, just do my part. Is that moment moving pretty fast for you? Like, you know, like how fast was that moment moving when you saw it there and see what coverage you knew, you know, what the play was? I think comparatively, comparatively speaking to like Cal game, like my first time, first time getting in, like the game has slowed down a lot for me. Like I'm seeing a lot more, I'm watching a lot more film, so it's the game's slowed down for me and it feels good to be out there. How would you describe the following couple days after a big game? And sort of, you know, obviously you want to enjoy the moment, but you want to keep kind of looking forward to your next game. How do you keep the focus? Yeah, I think that, like, it was a big moment in my life, but, like, the night after that, it was over with. Like, it's about the team. Like, I mean, it's a big moment. But we didn't end up winning the game. Like, didn't go our way. So, like, obviously, we all need to do more to, like, get to the point we want to be. 
as a team. What does Notre Dame need to do to get back in that offensive rhythm that they had? I think just just weather the storm, like um, Coach uh, Freeman's talking about, just urgency, sense of urgency. Like we start off slow a lot of times, and that's not gonna work for us, especially the way we like to run, play football. So like uh, we just need to get on the field, have sense of urgency, hit the field, burn. Like first first drive, we need to score every game. That's how it should be. No one should be able to stop us. Is there anything different in practice? Any changes to kind of do something differently to jumpstart? Yeah, today um, in uh, our team meeting before practice, we just had a, a lot of like focus on urgency. Get on the field, like once we hit those doors, running on the field, getting from every drill to drill, running to, uh, to H drill, just having some urgency, get our job done. Tobias, what's your progression now in terms of maybe the playbook and just your understanding of everything and just your, your level of confidence um, to gain more opportunities there on the field? Yeah, I think my, my confidence is um, pretty high in the playbook. Like from the beginning of training camp to now, it's just like grown, to, grown tremendously in terms of just knowing what I gotta do to be on the field. Is there a learning curve there for a little Oh, bit? definitely. Like, college and high school are way different. Learning all the new terminology, all the new plays, everything that goes into the nuances of checks and stuff like that. So it's been a learning process, but I've been enjoying it. Who's been the biggest people you've leaned on to, to be in to get to this level now? I think just everyone. Like, anyone I can get knowledge from, whether it's AD, whether it's Braden, Zoe, JT, Coach Ducky, Coach Reese, just using all my resources to get, like, any knowledge I can on whatever I need to get. There you go. I guess because people want to see him on the field. One of the more popular players on the squad and most talked about players, freshman wide receiver Tobias Merriweather. The Irish look to get back into the win column. 24.5 point favorite against 4 and 3 UNLV Saturday, a 2.30 kickoff at Notre Dame Stadium. Our pregame coverage begins bright and early at 8 a.m. Saturday's game is not on regular TV. It's a subscription-based streaming game on Peacock. And that is the focus of our Twitter question of the day today. We'll get to that coming up in a couple of moments. Thanks for joining me. We're just getting rolling with Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sports Beat continues on this Wednesday evening. We've got sunshine right now in downtown South Bend, Indiana. Looks like it's going to be a dry Saturday for the UNLV Notre Dame football game, which kicks off at 2.30. Each weekday on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat, I give you the opportunity to vote on our Twitter question of the day. This time of the year, it's Notre Dame football related. And here was yesterday's question. Notre Dame head coach Marcus Freeman on Monday talked about having to build his own program foundation and that he couldn't build on what Brian Kelly had done. What do you believe that means for the immediate future of Notre Dame being a playoff team? Here are the three choices that I offered you. Number one, could still happen next year. Number two, the Irish are two to three years away from being a playoff contender again. The third choice, we go beyond three years and call it a long-term 
build. And I'm kind of surprised by the results of this poll question, but I also have to consider recency bias. This vote is taking place a couple of days removed from an extremely disappointing 16-14 loss to Stanford. Now all of a sudden there is no chance to be a New Year's Six Bowl team. You're going to be slotted into one of those regular bowl games and those ACC Conference Bowl games. If Notre Dame is 7-5 and and an ACC team is 8-4, Notre Dame can take that spot of the 8-4 team. So I think that might factor into this voting. But here are the results. Again, what do you believe this means for the immediate future of Notre Dame being a playoff team? Third place in the voting. 27.5% still believe that Notre Dame can be a playoff contender next year. But only 27.5%. Second in the voting. Just a few more votes at 28.6%. Since Coach Freeman has to kind of rebuild the foundation and can't build on what Brian Kelly had done, 28.6% said this could be a long-term rebuild three years or further down the road before the Irish are playoff contenders. And winning the vote yesterday, 44% of the vote, that the Irish are two to three years away from being right back in the hunt to make the college football playoffs. Now, the number of teams in the playoff could obviously adjust the answer to this question. A couple of years down the line, if they go to 12 teams, and I'm sure people might look at this differently, but we're basing this on what we have right now, the four-team playoff. And I think the college football playoff committee is meeting today or tomorrow, hopefully taking steps further to expanding the playoff from four to 12 teams, and maybe we can get it started sooner rather than later, which would be good for the Irish, and the hope is good for college football. But again, based on what we have right now, 44% believe that Coach Freeman rebuilding his own foundation means that the Irish will be a playoff contender in the next two to three years. We thank you very much for voting on yesterday's question, and now we're ready to unveil today's question. Today we ask, what is your interest level in this week's Notre Dame-UNLV game, which is not available on regular television? This is one of those streaming games that you have to pay a monthly subscription in order to have the right to watch the game. So the team is 3-3, and the game is being streamed, and it's UNLV. So what is your interest level in that combination? The three choices I'm offering you today, number one, that you will pay for the Peacock subscription, or you already have it, one of the two, so you can watch the Notre Dame-UNLV game. Choice number two, that you're going to not pay for Peacock and you're going to listen or stream the game on the radio. And choice number three is normally I follow the Fighting Irish every Saturday, but based on these elements, I'm not going to be 
watching or following the game this Saturday. So again, what is your interest level in Notre Dame UNLV? You're going to pay for Peacock or you already have the Peacock subscription. You're only going to listen to it on the radio or maybe a streaming service. Or normally I follow every game, but you know what? Not this Saturday. You can vote on this question right now on my Twitter account at 960sportsbeat. And the early voting this afternoon, it's pretty even at this point. We'll find out the results of all the votes tomorrow here on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Coming up next, the AP Top 10 is a little scrambled compared to last week. We'll look at some of the key matchups and who could be on upset alert still to come. The five pieces of audio that best represents where Notre Dame is right now on the offensive side of the football. That's our My 5 question of the day. And at 6.30, one of the Notre Dame hockey newcomers who's off to a terrific start, defenseman Drew Bavaro will join me live at 6.30 here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Are you ready for your next escape? Experience the excitement at Four Winds Casino South Bend with award-winning cuisine, the latest slots with the biggest progressive jackpots, and a wide variety of your favorite table games, including live poker, the winning never stops. Plus, Four Winds Hotel South Bend is coming early 2023. Four Winds Casino South Bend, your entertainment escape. Must be 21 years or older. Please play responsibly. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Well, even though the Irish are three and three and a game that doesn't just dazzle you on paper against UNLV coming up this Saturday. I hope you as a college football fan can still enjoy some of the really interesting matchups that will take place this weekend as we are shaping what the college football playoff could look like this year. Is someone going to finally deliver a knockout punch to Alabama, a staple and the college football playoff. They lost that unbelievable SEC game in Knoxville to Tennessee last Saturday. But until they are beaten a second time, Alabama, if they win out, just like last year, will be right back in the college football playoff. And, of course, if they run the table, that means they would have to beat Georgia or Tennessee in the SEC championship game. So it's still a tough task for Alabama. They still have Ole Miss to go through, LSU, and of course that SEC title game if they are able to get to that particular game. So Alabama is still kicking even though they're a little bit wounded right now after playing poorly against Texas A&M. They get Bryce Young back, their quarterback for the Tennessee game. He plays extremely well. The offense is fine, but defensively, the secondary looked as horrible as any Nick Saban secondary has ever looked, and it was shocking to see. Hey, Tennessee's got a great offense. They're going to put up points, but it just felt like at times that secondary was not competitive against 
the volunteers. Josh Heupel has done an amazing job changing the culture and turning around that Tennessee program, and now they believe they're a college football playoff contender. All right, using the AP poll, let's look at what's coming up this weekend in college football. What games excite you? We've got a top 10 matchup in the Pac-12. Undefeated and number nine, UCLA in Eugene to take on number 10, Oregon. UCLA is known as the team that's undefeated with one of the weakest strengths of schedule so far this year. This is an opportunity to show who they are. Chip Kelly's Bruins in Eugene against his old team. Oregon is favored by six points, and it is expected to be an offensive slugfest. The over-under total points for the Bruins and the Ducks, 69 and a half. Another top 20 matchup, number eight TCU. Boy, did they salvage their college football playoff run last Saturday. The undefeated Horn Frogs on their home field erased a double-digit first-half deficit to, at that point, another undefeated team, Oklahoma State. TCU got the game tied up, pushed it into overtime, and the Horn Frogs walked away with the double overtime victory over Oklahoma State by three points. Now TCU takes on a chief competitor for the top spot in the Big 12, number 17, Kansas State. TCU on their home field, ranked number eight in the country, favored by three and a half points. Total points in the ball game, 55 and a half. Next up in our look at the AP, Schedule for this week, it is number seven, Ole Miss, on the road to take on the family at LSU. Ole Miss is still undefeated. They've got some huge games still in front of them, including LSU, Alabama. For this particular game, Lane Kiffin's team is the road underdog. LSU and the Bayou favored by a point and a half over Ole Miss. And again, a game expected to be high scoring. Over under total points, 66. Really good job by former Irish offensive coordinator Mike Denbrock. They had to throw a bunch of new players together, including a new quarterback. And the offense is getting better and better. Denbrock's a guy that, of course, I was always a huge fan of here, was a proponent for him to come back. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. But now back with Brian Kelly and LSU's offense. You know what? All things considered, not too bad at this particular point. We'll see how they do against Ole Miss this Saturday as a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Number 24, Mississippi State at number 6, Alabama. Horrific news today. One of the Mississippi State freshmen tragically passed away as they get set to go to Tuscaloosa to take on the Crimson Tide. Despite Alabama's struggles the last couple of weeks, it is not a big surprise that Alabama, a three-touchdown favorite against the Bulldogs, Mississippi State has not had any success with their air raid attack against 
Alabama. They've had a hard time scoring touchdowns. So Bama favored by 21 against Mississippi State in Tuscaloosa. 61 is the over-under total points. So that tells me Las Vegas is expecting Mississippi State to score more points than usual against Alabama. Number 14, Syracuse at number 5, Clemson. That's a game that maybe you, as an Irish fan, will be interested in to upcoming opponents for Notre Dame. It's a noon kickoff in Death Valley, so Syracuse at least avoids the night game in Death Valley. It's the early start. Clemson is favored by 13.5 points, over-under total points 50. Will Shipley. The outstanding sophomore running back for Clemson had 121 yards last week. Syracuse still undefeated. This will be the test to see really how good they are against NC State last week. Wolfpack were not competitive with their backup quarterback. That was not really a a good look at how good the Syracuse defense is. That quarterback wasn't going to move the ball very well, and they didn't against Syracuse. Number four, Michigan. Very quietly sneaking up the rankings. Great run game. Defense has been solid. The maize and blue are idle this weekend. Next week, they will go to Piscataway to take on Rutgers. Tennessee, after their emotional cigar-smoking win over Alabama, wisely. Teams do this in advance of the SEC after a big game. You bring in a cupcake. And Tennessee, as the number three team of the country, get a massive challenge from Tennessee Martin in Knoxville this week. No spread on that game, and for good reason. The number two team in the land is Ohio State. They're going to host the Iowa Hawkeyes. If Ohio State scores on their opening drive, it feels like the game is over because Iowa can't score touchdowns. It's a noon kickoff at the Horseshoe. And the Buckeyes are favored by 29. Over under total points is 49. So that means probably the final score will be 47 to 3 if you want the over in this game. And the number one team of the country, the Georgia Bulldogs. They are idle this week after taking care of Vanderbilt and Clark Lee easily between the hedges last Saturday. After the idle week, it's the greatest. Outdoor cocktail party down in Jacksonville. It is Georgia and Florida. Gators got off to an interesting start beating Utah, but they've kind of settled in as an average football team. So that's a look at the top 10. Who's on upset alert? I mean, it's nine versus 10. It's not really an upset, but I think UCLA goes down to Oregon. I think Ohio State is the Doom, doom, lock of the week against Iowa. I think Ohio State's the lock to cover, two at 29. And the lock not to cover, I'm going to say LSU minus one and a half against Ole Miss. I think the Rebels got a great shot to win that football game outright. So as the Irish take on UNLV, we've got some other games to watch on Saturday. We've got a Sports Center update coming up in just a couple of moments, an update on the National League Championship Series out in San Diego. We'll come back 
with our my five question of the game of the day, excuse me, and still to come in about a half an hour. Notre Dame hockey defenseman Drew Bavaro joins the program after being named the Big Ten's number two star last weekend. Sportsbeat continues next, 558 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Touchdown, Chris Tyree! Yes! 98 yards! On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open, touchdown Notre Dame! Lorenzo Styles. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. It is 10 minutes after 6 o'clock at Sports Radio 960 WSBT Sports Beat is being brought to you by our longtime title sponsor, Budweiser. The King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance. For surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget, call Tim at 574-232-9981. Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape. Must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. And by the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, normally during the Notre Dame football season on a Wednesday, the My Five is the five keys for the Irish defense to have success against the next opponent, this week being UNLV. I'm skipping that this week because I don't think breaking down X's and O's or matchups in this game is the most important thing this week. It's more about Notre Dame football and how they get better, not necessarily the opponent. So I'm going a different direction with the My 5 today. What are the five things we've learned this week from Irish head coach Marcus Freeman about the Irish offense, which is tied for 99th in the country in scoring at just 23.7 points per game. So I'm using five audio sound bites, the five that stand out to me as we learn more about this Notre Dame offense and how they're going to progress moving forward. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. We start with Marcus Freeman after watching film of Saturday's game. On Monday, he said he felt a whole lot better about the offensive performance when he watched the film after the game late Saturday night. It was, you saw it, it was pretty wide open. I think Drew wants that one back too. Um, and we didn't hit it, you know, but that same drive, you get Michael Mayer for a touchdown and we get called for a penalty because we're not lying correctly. And so when I say I felt better, at least I had answers to my questions. 
right? And so when I'm watching the games Saturday night, Sunday morning by myself, sometimes I don't have anybody to get answers to. You know, I got a lot of questions, but I'm going to leave those guys alone and let them go to bed and I'll, I'll get with them in the morning. And so I felt better because, one, I had the answers. But the other part of feeling better is, okay, why don't we do it? What do we got to do to do it? And and that takes practice. That takes game planning and going out there and do it. But you're right, man. We got a chance to hit Braden Lindsey on the corner post one-on-one, and he's open. And we don't hit him. That's what we got to execute. And trust me, it's a lot easier for me to – I can't throw that ball. You know, Drew Pine can. I know he can. And so we got to make sure that we're running that route or doing it more. How do – I can't just sit here and say, he's got to make that throw. No, how do we help him make that throw? We got to throw it more in practice. We got to, you know what I mean? We got to somehow, there's got to be a way to get the results that you want without just saying, this is what I want, you know? And, and that's what us as coaches have to figure out. Instead of just saying, this is what he should do, let's figure out a way to make sure he does it. That's a part of our discussions on Sunday was there's certain things in football that there are 100% is what we said. I said, there's certain things in football that there's only one answer. So we have to make sure in those situations that our guys are doing the one option that they have. We have to eliminate the things that there's multiple options. You know, and, and part of football, you do have multiple options. But if you're supposed to be in the B-gap, there's no other option. If you're supposed to go here with the ball, there's only one option. Go there with the ball. If you're supposed to make the, the cut in the A-gap, well, there, there's no way he could be in the B-gap because that's the only thing he's been told. He That's it. You know, He's not in support. He's going to do what he's told to do. So what we got to do a better job of coaches and saying, okay, here's the 100 percenters. What does that mean? 100% of the time, this is exactly what you're supposed to do. You go do it. You know, And stop living, stop having so many options for our guys. Well, you do need progressions in the passing game, but I understand what he's saying there. And I do get how... You would have this sour taste in your mouth watching that film Saturday night with the disappointment of the loss being fresh. And you do look at the self-inflicted wounds by this Notre Dame offense that prevented themselves from scoring more than 14 points. As I said earlier in the week, Stanford didn't win this game. Notre Dame lost it. And I don't want to be disrespectful to David Shaw's team, but this game was hand-wrapped. It was an early Christmas present because Notre Dame just missed on so many opportunities offensively or there's a fumble a missed touchdown pass we go on and on Marcus mentioned some of the mistakes so I think that's why he felt a whole lot better on Monday knowing that what didn't happen in the game is correctable but yet it doesn't take away from the fact they lost to Stanford 16 to 14. Next up on things we've learned about the Irish offense from Marcus Freeman's sound bites this week. Number four, he discussed something that's very concerning. The struggles of this football team running the ball in short yardage situations. This guy down there and you gotta figure out Yeah. The zig to their zag. Yeah. We're right right about fifty percent right now on short yardage and we wanna be at seventy five percent. I mean that's the, the least the number you want to be, if not higher. Um, you know, when, when we got to look at why, why, you know, we had a plan. I think about the fourth and one or fourth and two we had on the five yard line, and we had a plan all week to say, okay, they've shown to stack the box, they stack the box. We're going to be able to get it on the jet sweep to JT, and 
Then all of a sudden, I hear Coach Reese over the headset saying, oh, shoot, that's not the look. I probably at that moment should have called a timeout, but I still felt confident, okay, just run it. And they did. Made a heck of a play. Spun the safeties, made a heck of a play. The guy did a good job setting the edge. And so, um, but then you convert two other times in the game, you know. And so we want to be 75, if not higher percent on those short yardage um, situations. But you're not always for certain what you're going to see. You can game plan all you want, you know. But the other opponent games plan, they, they game plan too. You know, I've been on the defensive side. And a lot of times what you do on a defense side is you game plan yourself. You, you self-scout and say, okay, what have I shown in short yard situations? What have they done? Okay, we don't want to do this. You know, let's give them something they haven't prepared for. And so it's a chess match. And uh, they were able to stop us on the five-yard line, um, which is a, a, a situation that we're going to be aggressive, man. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to get fourth and one, fourth and two. We're, we're going to have beliefs in our backs and our old line that we're going to get a first down. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously we want to be – we want to convert in that situation, but it was good to see him convert in the other two situations. Love the aggressive mindset, but there needs to be better results if you're going to continue to go for it in those short yardage situations. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, number three. Number three, Marcus Freeman on his team's offensive goals heading into the second half of his season. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, it's the same thing in the past couple of weeks. You want to run the ball and, and you want to take advantage of some play action passes and the, the the zones that they're giving you. And we weren't we weren't running the ball effectively. Um, but we also weren't passing the ball. You know, we weren't throwing the ball um, as effective as we wanted to. So you want to you have a game plan. The game plan is to run the ball and and try to capitalize off of the the aggressiveness of their defense and try to take some shots and. Um, we just weren't executing, obviously, at the level we wanted to. And have, did you sense any kind of uh, flickering of confidence for the offense at halftime? Like, what what was what went on at halftime that sort of got things in some sort of a gear in the third and fourth quarters? Oh, I don't know if it's something you say or something. It's just the reality of you look at yourself and say, "Okay, guys, this is about us," and we did not execute that first half. Let's get the running game going. Let's let's continue to ride the running game. Um, and I think you you had some success running the ball. It wasn't a lack of, of trying to run the ball the first half. It was just, you know, you would get one or two yards on one game and we'd go to throw it, and all of a sudden you're not executing there. And our third down, I mean, we were 3-12 of on third down. If you're 3-12, of that's something where we've been very successful the last couple of weeks, especially last week. We were 3-12 of on third down, and that's not you're not going to win if you're doing that. My five question of the day, five sound bites from head coach Marcus Freeman discussing this Notre Dame offense. We are up to number two, and if the team is too reliant on All-American tight end Michael Mayer. We'll have to go and we'll have to see. You know, now there was a couple of times I'm like, throw the ball to Mayer, he's open. Um, but no, I don't think it's that we're too reliant on Michael Mayer. It's just that, you know, we're just not executing. And I know it's you guys are going to look for a different answer, but there, there, there isn't. I can't come up with a magic answer for what's what's. It's the lack of execution, and and the only way to fix a lack of execution is go back and study it and say, okay, what aren't we doing right? Okay, and then you watch the film, and then you go say, okay, how are we practicing? What do we got to do to make sure that we are giving ourselves a better chance to execute on on Saturdays? Yeah, I don't think you're too reliant on Michael Mayer. But the continued development 
and progressing of other pass catchers would take pressure off Michael Mayer, some of the emphasis that he sees, including in the Stanford game, that's going to help everybody. And finally, as we look back at the last couple of Marcus Freeman press conferences, the top sound bites from Marcus talking about this Notre Dame offense that's tied for 99th in the country in scoring. He's mentioned a couple of times we need to put Drew Pine in the best position to succeed. So Marcus was asked on Monday, what is the best position to put his quarterback in that best situation to have success this week and going forward? Again, if you're able to run the ball with success, your offense is moving and you're you're able to, you know, I think build that confidence. You really look at, go back to the Cal game and what happened from the first half to the second half was the ability to run the ball, which really helps your confidence. You even look at the North Carolina game, some of those big runs helped Drew, you know, really establish that confidence that he hit some, I mean, through some unbelievable balls. And the same thing with BYU. And so um, we had a plan to um, try to take advantage of, of some throws we thought that were going to be there on Saturday. We didn't hit them. And what we have to do is a better job of saying, okay, let's, let's go back and build this confidence. Let's go back and do the things that we feel like can have success. Now, you can have a plan to run the ball. If they stack the box and you're not able to run the ball, you got to spread it out and throw it. You know, and so they did a good job of, of trying to force us to throw the ball, you know, and, and listen, it's a lot easier to throw a shallow route or a RPO with the with Mike Mayer leaking behind the line of scrimmage than it is to throw a 15 yard dig, you know, and, and so we have to try to find ways, to create those easy throws, easy completions, run the ball until the confidence is built where Drew's Drew and he can make those those difficult passes. That's Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman. Five of the top sound bites of Marcus the last couple of press conferences discussing the state of this Fighting Irish offense. Notre Dame favored by 24.5 points this Saturday at home against the 4-3 and three UNLV running Rebels who have been blown out in each of their last two games against San Jose State and Air Force. The Falcons won 42-7 at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas on Saturday. Doug Brumfield, the outstanding quarterback for UNLV, 6'6", sophomore, suffered a concussion in the San Jose State game, did not play against Air Force, still listed as day-to-day right now. I think there's an anticipation that Brumfield will go against the Fighting Irish, which will at least give them a chance. Without him, that offense has done practically nothing. 6.24 is our time. Top 20 matchup on ice this weekend. Notre Dame taking on Western Michigan in a home-and-home series. Coming up next, I'll be joined live by one of the new players on this Fighting Irish hockey team that's ranked 14th in the country. And he is defenseman Drew Bravaro, a transfer from Bentley. That conversation coming up in a moment on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is 31 minutes after 6 o'clock on this Wednesday evening. Well, the Fighting Irish hockey team is off to a 2-1-1 start this year. They won back-to-back games at home last weekend against Northern Michigan and now are preparing for a top 20 showdown 
against Western Michigan at the Compton Family Ice Arena on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. The teams head to Kalamazoo for Game 2 Saturday night at 6 o'clock. I'll have the call of both games on our sister station, Quality Rock 94.3 FM. Joining me right now to talk about this Fighting Irish Hockey team and also a chance for you to get to know one of the newest members of this Irish Hockey team. He is junior defenseman Drew Bavaro, a transfer from Bentley this year, and he is off to a fantastic start in his first four games in an Irish sweater, a goal, four assists, five points. And this weekend he was named the Big Ten Conference number two star after assisting on the game-winning goal on Friday against Northern Michigan and had the go-ahead goal late in the third period on the power play on Sunday. And Drew Bavaro joins me here on WSBT Radio. Well, Drew, a pleasure to have the chance to talk to you. How are you today? Great. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. And welcome to South Bend and this Notre Dame hockey team. Obviously, you've made a big impact right off the bat. Take us back to your decision to decide to enter the transfer portal and leave a Bentley program. What was your thinking at that particular time? And what were you looking for in your new destination? Yeah, uh, I was just kind of looking for a fresh start. Um, you know, I, I knew I wanted to take a big jump in, in my hockey career. And, um, you know, I thought maybe uh, finding a new school, um, you know, play at a higher level would be would be beneficial for me. And then kind of why Notre Dame is, uh, you know, when, that, when the opportunity came and I talked to the coaching staff, uh, it was kind of a no-brainer, uh, the history here, the, the academics and, and everything that Notre Dame as a university can bring is, is almost second to none. Uh, especially in college hockey. So um, when I had that opportunity, it was it was definitely going to be something that, that was too good to pass up on. So, uh, you know, I'm really happy with the decision. Drew, I've read that once you went into the portal, there were a lot of options for you. A lot of teams reached out. Was it a situation where you had a lot of really interesting choices to choose from? Uh, yeah, you know, I had, I had a few. Um, I tried to narrow it down pretty early and um, you know, I, I knew I was looking for something different. Um, you know, I, I've primarily been in the Northeast uh, my whole life, going to prep schools there and, and stuff like that. So I, I kind of wanted a, a, a change of scenery. And, you know, when, when Notre Dame came calling, it was, it was a really easy decision. Tell me about the impact of a guy like Jeff Jackson running this Notre Dame hockey program. He has sent a lot of really good defensemen to the National Hockey League and hey, players overall, plus all the success he has had as a collegiate coach. How much of an impact in your decision did Coach Jackson have? Yeah, I mean, you got to play for a head coach, right? And he's he's one of, if not the best college coaches ever. So, um, you know, to have the opportunity to play for him and and learn from him you know he's he's done it for a long time and he sent a lot of guys um to the next level which which is all of our goals so um obviously you know he knows um kind of more than anyone else in the sport how to get people um and players to the next level and you know having the opportunity to play for him is is something i'll cherish forever and obviously not trying to take it uh for granted at all Irish junior defenseman Drew Bavaro, my guest here on WSBT. Now, Drew, you, you were born in Bradenton, Florida. You mentioned you went to prep school in the Northeast in Massachusetts. When did you get the bug to start playing hockey? Was that in Florida or was it up in the New England area? Yeah, so uh, I have an older brother uh, who I've been 
kind of fallen uh, since I, I can remember, and he, he kind of got me into the sport. We were born in New Jersey, actually. So, okay. Um, you know, he, he played up there um, when we were really young. Sorry about that. That's okay. And, uh, yeah, when I moved down to Florida when I was about five, um, you know, that's when I kind of took up the sport. And um, he, he went on to play college and, and do all that stuff. So I knew, um, you know, once he went to prep school, I, I knew that was kind of going to be my path as well. And having an older brother just kind of made things a lot easier for me, um, just giving me a roadmap of, of how to get to college and what I need to do. So, you know, that was, that was obviously huge for my career. Were there a lot of opportunities to get better as a player in Florida? I know I was around Andrew Peak a few years ago, who was from Parkland, Florida. What are the opportunities for a youth down in Florida? And was there a need to move back to the Northeast to play better competition? Yeah, uh, obviously growing up there wasn't a whole lot. Uh, it's gotten a lot, a lot better um, now for younger kids. But, um, no, it's just a, a lot of my parents, we had to drive – pretty much an hour and a half, two hours just to go to practice sometimes. Wow. Obviously, I can't thank them enough. So, um, you know, growing up, it was, you know, we, we, we did have some really good players down there. So it was, it was still nice to have a uh, good competition, but um, we were, we were flying up uh, a lot just to go to different tournaments. Obviously there wasn't many games you could play in Florida. So, you know, we traveled a lot, but you know, it was all worth it in the end. And obviously my parents were a huge part of it. I had a visit last year with your fellow teammate, Nick Lieberman, who is, of course, an outstanding defenseman for this Notre Dame hockey team. But he told me that growing up, he was a forward. And you can kind of tell that with his offensive skill that he brings to the defenseman position. And he admitted he was still growing as a defenseman on the defensive side of the game. I'm wondering, growing up, with your offensive skill that you bring to the table, were you a forward at any point in your youth, and when did you become a defenseman? Yeah, I was uh, growing up ever since I can remember. I think as I got to probably Pee Wee's, um, I started playing defense just because I was a little bit bigger. And, um, obviously, I think that helps a ton, you know, just being able to see both sides of the puck. And, um, you know, I think that's really beneficial in and, uh, and how I can play the game offensively, but obviously defensively is, is obviously still always going to be a work in progress. So, um, yeah, it definitely benefited playing forward growing up. Drew Bavaro, my guest, Notre Dame hockey defenseman. The Irish taking on Western Michigan this weekend. I want to play a soundbite real quick to set up my next question. I mentioned that Drew assisted on the game-winning goal on Friday and then on the power play on Sunday with the game tied in the third period, he was able to give the Irish the lead. Rebound left half, Wall Ralston. Moves it to the blue line to Bavaro. He goes right side, Pearson. Back in the middle, Bavaro. One-timer. He scores! First goal in an Irish sweater. Defenseman Drew Bavaro puts Notre Dame in front. 4-3 with 2.20 to go in regulation. Well, one thing about that sequence that I think people could tell from the call, the puck movement was really, really good, and I thought, Drew, you guys moved the puck extremely well all weekend on the power play. I thought there were a couple of power plays you guys deserved to score. You were moving it so well, but unfortunately the puck did not go into the back of the net. I know it's early in the season, and sometimes special teams takes a little longer to get into sync, but I thought you guys looked pretty good last weekend. What was your assessment of the way you guys handled the power play last weekend. What do you think the strength of the power play is going to be moving forward? Yeah, I think uh, our power play has been really good uh, ever since the start of the year. And, 
obviously that's that's huge going forward. Whenever you can, you know, win the special teams battle and score goals for for your team is is obviously huge, especially late in the game like that. But um, you know, I'm I'm just I'm really lucky to have so many good players around me. Um, you know, it makes makes life a lot easier when you have guys like Jackson Pearson, who's um, you know unbelievably creative, and and Ryder to my left, who who can shoot it probably just as good as anyone in the country. And then um, you know Trevor Janicki and and Landon are both unbelievable um, down low players. And, and um, you know for me to be able to just distribute to those guys and and let them go to work, you know it it makes my job a lot easier. So uh, all the credit kind of goes to those guys. I just you know I just try and make their job a lot a little easier. I haven't seen the highlight from a different angle. So when you shot and score play goals Sunday, were there a lot of bodies in front of the goaltender? Did you kind of fit that into a, a small window? Uh, yeah, I think it, that was kind of a what we were facing a lot of the weekend is, is why we couldn't score goals. Is They did a good job clogging up lanes. And honestly, when, when Jackson made that unbelievable pass, they just tried to get it to the net. And, um, you know, I think it hit his pad and went in, but uh, kind of a lucky bounce. But Jackson made an unbelievable play, and I just tried to, tried to get it to the net and get through some bodies. But, um, you know, credit to them. They were getting in shot lanes all weekend. But, you know, we were, we were lucky and got one through. So, You know, last year was really one of the first times Notre Dame brought in some older players to start the season, you know, with grad transfers now being a part of college sports. Uh, Karashek came in, Jack Adams to name a couple. And, you know what, the team really absorbed those players really quickly into the culture of the team what has it been like for you to join a brand new team I'm not sure if you knew any of the guys before arriving in South Bend but what has it been like coming from another team and joining this Notre Dame hockey squad yeah I mean I think that the culture of our team and the culture of the tradition of culture uh, throughout Notre Dame hockey is is something that that, uh, that goes a long way um, it's been here forever and um, it's probably one of the best cultures I've ever seen or, or been around. So, um, you know, the the, the step in to, to this team, um, you know, and this, this program was easy because um, everyone was so accepting and welcoming. And, you know, we're, we're a really close group of guys. And, um, you know, with a culture that strong, it's, you know, it's huge for, for us just believing in one another and, you know, trusting one another out on the ice. So the culture is you know, second and none. Hmm, that's great to hear. Now, I'm not jumping over Western Michigan because that's the next game in front, but I'm just wondering from your perspective, uh, leaving Atlanta, Atlantic Hockey, coming to the Big Ten Conference, you're going to be facing that full Big Ten Conference slate very, very soon. I'm intrigued to know how ready you are and what you're ready to find out about playing Big Ten Hockey this year. What stands out about taking on that level of competition week in and week out once you get into conference play? Yeah, I think uh, the Big Ten is just, you know, it's, a, it's as skilled as you can find in college hockey. And, you know, that's a, that's a huge benefit, um, you know, as a, as a defenseman that's, that's trying to work on his, his defense is getting to play against those guys. And obviously, you know, the, the players on our team are, are unbelievable, um, you know, just as good as anyone in the country. So being able to practice against them definitely gives an advantage um, to our guys. And, um, you know, it, we were really competitive practice. So, you know, when games come around, it's, you, know, you almost feel like it's sometimes easier just because you know our guys are so good as well. So, um, you know, I'm excited. I think it'll be a real test for us as a team. Um, you know, we like to play fast and, and hard and physical. So, you know, um, playing against more skilled opponents sometimes, um, our style really helps us out. So I'm really excited. 
Final question for you, Drew. With football season still going on here, it's a big deal, but the team is 3-3. Three and three. There's going to be, I think, some more eyes on hockey earlier on in the season than in years past. And for Irish fans that have not been to the Compton yet to see you play or possibly watched you on TV, Drew wears number 24 for the Irish. When they tune in or go to the Compton and they see you play, what should they expect from you? What do you think you bring to your hockey team each and every game? Yeah, uh, I, I try to bring some energy and uh, communicate well with my teammates. Um, I, I try to get involved in the offense as much as I can, but I'm also a bigger guy, so I try and, you know, uh, play the body a little bit and, and be physical. But, um, yeah, just overall try and help out offensively and, and do my job in the in the D zone. So, um, you know, obviously we love our fans, and if anyone has the opportunity to get out there and, and, and help us fill that place, it's the best atmosphere in college hockey so we'd love that look at that he's a hockey player and a marketer all at the same time i like it you can check out the irish in western michigan friday night at seven o'clock at the compton family ice arena and the irish in kalamazoo to take on western michigan saturday at six again both games will be on our sister station quality rock 94.3 fm drew a pleasure get the chance to talk to you i really appreciate your time this evening and best of luck against the broncos and the rest of the season Thank you. There you go. Drew Bavaro, junior defenseman of the Fighting Irish. 644 in your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. Welcome back to Sports Beat. It is 6.50 on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Now, I've had the Padres-Phillies game on my monitor throughout the program, but actually turned it off during my interview with Drew Bovaro because there was some sound I wanted to play, so I didn't want any disruptions. Apparently, I missed a lot. When I turned off the monitor... In the fifth inning, it was 4-2 Phillies over the Padres. I just brought it back up a moment ago, and the Padres were scoring a run. It's now 7-4 San Diego, still in the bottom of the fifth inning. So a huge outburst against Phillies starter Aaron Nola in the fifth inning, and the Padres are now in the driver's seat of Game 2, trying to even the series at 1, heading back to Philadelphia for game three, but good ways to go. That Phillies offense can score runs in bunches. They have shown that so far this year. Well, it was doom and gloom early on in October when I had a record of seven and 20 in our sports wagering segment. Things have turned around and I'm now 26 and 27. Do you believe in miracles? Where's Al Michaels? Well, we went 4-0 with our Monday night picks. And last night, I'll take it, 3-1. So we're 7-1 for the week. Last night, Phillies pitcher Zach Wheeler over 4.5 strikeouts at minus 140. That was an easy win. He struck out eight Padres. I had Phillies Padres under 6.5 runs at plus 100. So some good juice on that one. 
Well, it was a 2-0 Phillies win, so easily under 6.5 total runs. A third win came from the NBA, the defending world champion, Warriors minus 7 against the Lakers at minus 110. Warriors won by 14, 123-109. So three straight wins, but the streak came to a close. The 76ers plus three at the Celtics at minus 105. That did not work out. It was a tie game at halftime, 63-63. But the Celtics pulled away in the third quarter and won by nine, 126-117. to So we took the loss there. But still 3-1 and one to get us to 7-1 and one for the week. Here are the four picks for today. A couple of the picks are in action right now. One is a win, one not looking so good. My first pick today, Phillies on the money line at minus 105. I was backing Aaron Nola, who has been lights out this year. But as I just told you, the Padres are putting it to the Phillies in the fifth inning. And the Phillies are going to have to come back if I'm going to win that money line pick. It is 7-4 San Diego in the bottom of the fifth, and Nola has been knocked out. Now, one of the suggestions has already been locked in as a win. I had Aaron Nola over five-and-a-half strikeouts at minus 110. He got knocked out in the fifth inning, but not before. Striking out six. We'll take it. So at least we're 1-0 to start the day. The other two picks for tonight. Yankees and Astros get their America League Championship Series underway. Talion versus Verlander. I'm going to take the game over the first five innings, and I'm going to say the two teams will combine for over three and a half runs at minus 110. I'm expecting the Astros to do most of the scoring in those first five innings against Talion, who they hit pretty hard in his most recent start against them. Verlander's been a little shaky lately, but I'm banking on Justin to be just fine tonight. So I'm hoping the Astros take care of that total all by themselves. So first five innings, Yankees-Astros over three and a half runs. And my final suggestion for tonight, a two-team NHL parlay. The two teams, the Avalanche beating the Jets, the Panthers over the Flyers, we get that parlay at minus 114. We hit our underdog pick last night. Phillies on the money line at plus 100, so the underdog pick is 32-39. and 39. Tonight, my underdog pick, Astros minus one and a half runs at plus 115. Sports Beat tonight brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers. Locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, own, shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how it feed Indiana.org. Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. And the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Have a great evening, 655 at WSBT. Applied Imaging.
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 